Good evening and welcome to episode 99 of Welcome to Horror. I'm Lee. I'm Chris. I'm Adam. I'm Jennifer. Uh, I, honestly, guys, I'm gobsmacked. I ne- when we first started doing this, I thought we would possibly manage 30 episodes. You, you wouldn't, you know, make you do it. Well, <laughs> yeah. get so here we are on a 99. 99 episodes. Which means that technically Welcome to Horror now comes to you with a flake. Yes. <laughs> You're a bit flaky, some of you. Yes. yes. But it's also nice and creamy. <laughs> Let's move away from that. Um, <laughs> uh, Chris, have you watched anything this week? I have. I went for Come to Daddy. Ooh, oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Elijah Wood, yeah. in a in a very unusual role, I think nothing mm. like I've seen him before. Um, and and who else was in it? It's uh the the guy it's from Kill List, oh. M- Michael Michael Smiley. Oh, Michael, Michael Smiley's in it as well. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Fuck, I'm watch it then. That's a guarantee. I didn't tell you that, Adam. It was going to be a surprise. But yeah. Ah. <laughs> uh, so I, I thought Adam had watched it as well. No, I've still not seen it. And also, it's got. Amazing. Um, I've seen something Adam hasn't seen. And Stephen McHattie from Pont- uh, Pontypool. It yeah. certainly does. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, I, well, I won't say too much then. Um, but, yeah, it's. Uh, it, it gave me a, a slight reminiscent of, I'd say, pulp fiction, although that's not going to come across the way I'm thinking of it. But just because there are definitely some scenes where you're like, where's that come from? And yet, it, you know. It carries on moving and entertaining uh, and horrifying perfectly. Mm. Shock value a bit, maybe. But yeah. Mm. Yeah. And a few odd statements from each of the, the cast throughout. <laughs> it is really good. And again, I, I really liked the, like the, the twist and stuff. In mm, your, yeah. Multiple. Um, that's a yeah. film I reckon I could go back and rewatch oh, yeah, quite definitely. easily. Good, good horror comedy. Mm. Yeah, it's fantastic. Oh, good call. Well done, mm. Chris. Adam. Was that it for you, Chris? Yeah. Okay. No, that's, just... that's all he needed, having watched that. <laughs> I, I did also watch some of The Mandalorian, but, you know, it's not oh, uh, Season one? Uh, yeah, I thought I'd better, I better actually get to it, so I really pushed myself to watch a bit more this week and uh, got through two episodes, I think. Oh, season two starts on the That's why I thought I'll really get to season two. It's brilliant. It's so yeah, I know. It's, yeah, that's it it's great. Yeah, I, I was a bit unsure at the start if it was all going to go a bit daft and cutesy, but actually, it it didn't. It, it it was really good, and I enjoyed every episode. I think mm. I enjoyed it more and more as it rolled on as well. I think it got progressively better once you sort of got to grips with the world and the characters in it. Um, mm. Okay. Does Werner hurt? So towards the end, uh, I can't remember. Yes, he is in the later episode. Is he? I think he is. He seemed like him. he might be important. It's very well. He is very important. <laughs> but yeah, he is again. Could rewatch that because that was a year ago now that that first aired and we watched it. Um, yeah, so I don't really remember it in any great detail. I've got yeah. finished watching the first series as well. I think I only got up to episode three, and then I can't remember why I stopped watching it. No, I don't. Maybe my insomnia cleared up. I don't know. 
I think it felt it took about three episodes to get going, and then once it was going, it got really good. The later the later into the season it went, so uh, yeah. Anyway, sorry, Chris, uh, Adam. Yes. So what did you see? What did I see? What did I see? Well, I watched an old favourite because I bought it on Blu-ray. Forgot that I had it. Found it. And I was like, oh, yeah, well, I've got that because I assume we'd be doing it on Welcome to Horror soon. And it was ages ago, and we've still not got it lined up. But, oh. So I thought I'm pretty safe to watch it for the moment. So I watched The Monster Club. Oh, oh yes. You've not done that yet? Yes. I, oh. I thought you'd have pushed for that ages no, ago. I know. I love that film so much. But, um, yeah, so that was just uh, a great, great deal of fun as usual. Uh, it's the first time Claire's seen it, so she, it's... Uh, she liked uh, it? Yeah, she, well, it's her second dose of Donald Pleasance because uh, of Halloween. Mm-hmm. And she just really... All Claire ever asked me is, can you show me another Vincent Price film? Yes! <laughs> that's like... Claire, there's 140 of them. <laughs> <laughs> but, but distinctly in the more sort of fivesy end of stuff. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I think that's that definitely sits in that department. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I, I watched that. I, I, not much point in going too into it because I don't want to spoil anything for Chris because it probably come up at some point, won't it? So, it's it one really... of those, I don't think it's particularly well known because even as a big fan of Vincent Price, I hadn't heard of it. Um, and we were doing, a, uh, we were doing a, an all-day Vincent Price marathon and we invited a friend of ours who worked at HMV. And she turned up with two Vincent Price movies. Uh, yeah. And one of them was um, that. And the, I can't remember what the other one was. But, yeah, but she turned up with Monster Club and we put it on. And I was just totally blown away. I was like, how have I never seen this? As you say, Donald Pleasance as well. And it's an anthology movie. And it's all the stories are so different. And it's so campy and just amazing. Absolutely amazing. It's a weird one for me because it is a, a film that I saw very early on. Hmm. Like, and, um, yeah, it was just on the telly one night. And But, again, the weirdest thing was is I think it was that sort of thing when there was a regular season of putting on horror films or whatever like that. And I think the Monster Club was part of it. And it was like, unlike everything else that were in the thing, it was like, this isn't scary. <laughs> and then it's no, but it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I do. I do yeah. have to skip through the songs though. Yeah, I find it's so cringy. I find the songs are the best point to go and get another drink. Treat like the advert break. <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a nice interval, is it? <laughs> yeah. So every so often you can go and replenish, which is good. <laughs> so um, yeah, so uh, watch that and. Uh, also watched The Vast of Night. Has anyone seen that? That's... The Alien one. Yes. Yes, I have seen it. Uh, Darnie, previous guest, told me about it. What an incredible low-budget movie. I'm, I thought you would like it because it it, it, it's, it's quite Close Encounters, but if David Lynch had made Close Encounters rather than Steven Spielberg. Yeah. So it was all fifties, and because that was the, it reminded me of like cross between Close Encounters and the eighth episode 
of Twin Peaks Series 3, which is the one where they just go into like a huge black and white meta story of the bomb going off in uh, New Mexico. Did we we didn't get that no. far in season Lee gave up. Just seriously, just as a standalone, because it doesn't matter that you don't see anything, but it's like okay. it gives you the origins of Bob, essentially, oh. but related to, um, yeah, nuclear testing in America. Oh, cool. That sounds and, all right. Yeah. And it's, but it's just really stunning. It's one of those things where you're like, uh, I can't believe this is actually on the telly. Oh. <laughs> Um, but um, yeah, uh, but yeah, Vast of Night had had that sort of uh, that that end of David Lynch, like the nostalgic fifties uh, sort of end. But no, I thought it was just I thought it was really good. The main guy sounded so much like Marcus Parks; it was unreal. Yep. And, um, and I'd imagined... I found him a bit difficult at first. He was talking so fast; I was like, "Whoa, I'm going to have to put subtitles on." Like, yeah. So, so yeah. very southern and speaking so quickly, I was like, you're going to have to slow this down. And again, it's all 50s dialect as well. So I was like, I, I don't know half of what he's saying, but yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, because he, st- he starts off and it's very like when you watch like 30s films and they're like, so kid, what are you doing here? Well, I came around to see the films. Did you? Real, really? Yeah. But like you say, but that with like a, a pretty heavy Texan accent and like, yeah. Um, but he, um, no, I just, I thought that was really, I just really enjoyed it as, as it was weird because there was the sound design side of it and the music side of it that I really enjoyed. I did find, I liked the, the bit at the start where it starts off and it's like, it's an episode of the Twilight Zone, Mm. but I did find that weird that they kept going back to it every so often. And I wasn't quite sure that it was ever at any point that mattered or made a significance. Mm. In an odd way, I think they sort of bottled their exposition moments and were like sort of, this is just two people talking in a room. What are we going to do for this bit? Oh, we could go back and do. Yeah. But, um, but that's that was like a minor sort of quibble I would have, have had with it. But no, essentially, I just thought that was really well done. And on such a minute budget to do a successful period piece and a successful UFO. Yeah. Yeah, I was very sort of, um, I was very taken with it, so I enjoyed that. Uh, I did watch a third horror-related thing, but that will, that that was um, Birth of the Living Dead, which is the documentary about Night of the Living Dead. There's not much point in going into that because that was part of the research for what we're talking about. Like, so, yeah. Fair enough. Oh, the other thing, just very quickly, that I loved about Vast of Night that I've just remembered, um, because it takes part in a takes place in a small town. It's done on this super low budget. When they kept changing from scene to scene, and they did that thing where the camera like dropped to the floor and then mm. literally flew through the town to the next location, I absolutely loved that. I thought that was amazing. Like it was, it was just a little thing, but to get from place to place instead of just cutting from scene to scene it literally dropped the camera and moved it to the new location i thought it was just such a clever idea and i, but I think because that was the other thing that i, I enjoyed about it because obviously there's the bit at the start where they're having the sort of discussion that 
he's kind of a cliche in you know period dramas again where it's like um i saw a man today and he stood up in parliament and he said a magnif he spoke magnificently i would say that young man might be prime minister one day his <laughs> name was winston churchill <laughs> and they have that sort of talk about stuff where it's like self-driving cars and all stuff that is coming to p pass now yeah and then they and basically she then described the smartphone yeah the one he dismissed but it was the rest of the film made me realize that that was in there because the whole thing is about that inability to communicate instantaneously at that point yeah so like the the low sort of trail bits through the town and stuff like that it was almost like following like a, a phone signal through where because obviously um the um uh, the girl and it works in the uh, telephone exchange yeah so she's at the center of the communications but it's all so basic and so ridiculous that you're like Oh yeah, in that situation, people would be driving around in their cars asking each other what they've seen. Yeah, because there's no way no one's got a mobile phone. No one's got a phone in their car. It's like yeah, completely. Did you notice the name of the radio station as well? I did, but I've forgotten what it was. It was WOTW. So it was War of the Worlds, if oh, I remember oh, correctly. Yes, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that makes sense. Something like that. It was something that kind of I saw it and thought. That's probably a reference. And as soon as I wrote the letters down, I was like, oh, yeah, of course it is. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it was War of the Worlds or something like that, yeah. Uh, my brain was probably going, walk on the wild side. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so, yeah, but that's, and that's all the weather. Ooh. Excellent. Jennifer, what have, yes. what have we watched? Well, as it's the month of October, we have been working our way through our Halloween list. We have. Which keeps getting longer. It and does. there's probably just about enough days in the month to fit them all in. There isn't. <laughs> uh, Do you both agree on what you should watch for Halloween? Uh, there's a few that Lee's put on there that he wants to watch and he'll watch them on his own because I'm not that bothered. But the majority are ones that were like, oh, yeah, we both want to watch that. Mm. So there's enough films, I think, out there we both agree on. Um, so, yeah, so uh, most recently then The Crow from 1994. Ooh. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, now a classic, obviously at the time, we were all teenagers. <laughs> it was the goth, you know, fantasy film, wasn't it? Yeah. It was, you know, everyone, <clears throat> Chris, wanted to dress up <laughs> as Brandon Lee for Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> Still got the picture somewhere. I will yeah. show you money. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I went into it thinking, is it going to hold up? But, you know, we'll give it a go because I've been listening yeah. to the soundtrack again, which is bloody good. The soundtrack's mm. fucking incredible. Yeah. My favourite Cure song of all time. Yes, yeah, yes. mine too. Well, that's what started. It was on Lee's Halloween playlist, and I was like, "Oh my god, yeah, that's from the Crow." And then I was like, "Right, um, yeah, let's watch it." Um, I thought it stood up. I think because it is a comic book, uh, you know, take off. Mm. Mm. I think it's you know, therefore it's not sort of dated. It's not because it is set, you know, sort of within that fantasy world almost anyway. Yeah, it's a bit amorphous. It doesn't really have a yeah time, uh, time or place properly, really. Exactly. So I don't think any of that dated it. Um, I, I thought, I'm trying to remember the story exactly because I probably oh, haven't watched it since since it came out. Yeah, but, no, so I mean, he, he is he was kind of an early anti-hero, wasn't he? 
Yeah. I don't remember many yeah. films or stories before that where the hero was essentially going around terrorising people. It's yeah, maybe. A reven- it's a revenge thing, though. That's yeah, like, but, that, but I don't remember that being... Because he was portrayed as, you know, you really liked him and obviously felt because for him. It, it was fair what he was doing, you know. Yeah, yeah. Side, even though he was killing people, mm. um, yeah, but he's not like killing a, anyone who would be missed. No, yeah. exactly. A bit like a soft version of Mandy. <laughs> yeah, yeah but, they just they want him out of the fl- they want him out of the flat because they're developing it, mm. and him and his girlfriend live there, and he's a musician. So basically, they send the gang round and they kill the pair uh, of them. Yeah, but then for whatever reason, he then comes back to life and then takes revenge on everybody in the massive gang because of course there has to be enough people to keep it going for two hours <laughs> it's not that long <laughs> but yeah i thought it was you know it's very dark very stylized mm. but again i think that still works now because you know it's not dated in any way um yeah i mean you know performances are all pretty good like yeah lee's there's looking good there's some great people in it really yeah are. and brandon lee it's definitely one of the i mean obviously it's tragic that he died but it's also the thing that's like you know that this would have been the launch pad for a like 10 year supersonic career. And I think that's almost what makes it, you know, poignant watching it because you are in the back of your mind, you are Mm. thinking actually his death scene in the film, he actually did die shooting it. Yeah. Um, He did. Yeah. It actually died during that scene. I've just Mm. been checking the uh, info. Yeah. So there was a real bullet lodged in the should have been a blanks in the no, it, it wasn't even that it was a fragment of metal well i don't know i thought that at the time but that's why i just looked it up now and it does say bullet so that's what no no it was a fragment of because mm. that's the thing is even because obviously a blank discharges yeah exactly the same it just doesn't have a projectile with it yeah so because and what you're meant to do is you're meant to clean, obviously clean the guns out yeah. and ensure that. From mm. what I gather, it was quite a party sort of uh, set, shall we say? And oh. I think precautions were a bit lax. Mm. And basically, yeah, this metal fragment piece of casing had ended up in lodged in the right. gun. So they fired a blank and essentially shot him. Yeah. It goes um, to show you that even a tiny fragment, not even a full, like mm, not even a full mm. load from the end, a tiny fragment is enough to kill you if it hits the wrong bits. Adam's like a, a full I'm load. The Claire's laughing. So don't play with guns, kids. No, not, not even, even with blanks. blanks. Yeah. No. But, um, so, yeah. so just to cut in on that very Go quickly. On. I didn't think it aged well didn't at all. Mind it. I so, it was so you, awful. how much did you like it when you first watched it? I liked it enough that I saw it a few times, and I watched the 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 um, the sequel. Okay. Oh, I didn't remember the sequel. No, like, I didn't know. I'll tell you what I know about the sequel. It's got death tones on it. Oh. <laughs> my knowledge. Iggy pops one of the villains. Oh, um, okay. so Jury's a tattoo artist as well. I vaguely remember someone getting mm. a fake toad. Um, all right. But so yeah, you did uh, quite like the first year, all right. But So yeah, what's gone wrong for you? Yeah, I ju- it just felt so... It felt like a film you'd love as a, a teenager. So mm. like, I'm not... Okay. You look back at it and go, you're a fucking idiot forever liking it. It's like, mm. as a, like when you watch it, some stuff, you like... It made sense at the time. 
do that. I was like, yeah, I can see why teenage me thought this. But was... you feel like you've matured and Jennifer's stuck in the past. Well, I think he likes enough worse films now that I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> See, see, I because Claire was saying that she'd never seen it because we were, mm. I don't know why we were talking about. You ought to watch it then. Uh, but the trouble is, is I'm sort of I'm in, I'm in both camps essentially. I know I will fucking enjoy it and still yeah. think it's brilliant, but I don't know someone coming to it cold. Yeah, no, I think from, I from a different time. Still stand up. Age group, will it stand up? I mean, it is. It's really violent. You know, it's like yep. a lot of recent films, really. It's got the violence, it's got the darkness. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't think there's anything in it that is dated. Apart well, from I, on a skateboard and there's no mobile phones, you know. <laughs> I think the guy who um, the guy who directed it also did Dark City. Okay, yeah. yeah. And again, but, it's that same aesthetic where it's like, yeah. this is a bit sort of timeless. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're not quite... I mean, obviously, Dark City, it's a different kettle of fish anyway, but... It's that thing again where it's not quite a specific. That, type that was of the mystery, place. wasn't it? Where you mm. you didn't know. Yeah, I seem to remember that being really good. Dark City is brilliant. You, the, yeah. I think it's only the director's cut that's available these days, and mm. it is good. It's okay. not like you know. There, it is definitely worth that. Is if you've what, having watched The Crow, go and watch that. I I would recommend okay. because yeah, you'll a you'll see it, and also b you'll go actually Dark City is a fucking good film, isn't it? And Richard mm. O'Brien's in it, playing a villain. Oh, well. Adam, you only had to start with that, and I. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's the the that's what really annoys me with that film is it, not Richard O'Brien doesn't annoy me, but what annoys me about it is that it's like it's the one thing where Richard O'Brien is specifically playing exactly the role that I think Richard O'Brien should have played in hundreds of films, episodes mm. of Doctor yeah. Who. He should have been a guest on. I don't know, fucking Deep Space Nine or something like that. Villain, did he play that? <laughs> yeah, he should just be. He's very good at it. He is. <laughs> cool. Uh, what else do you want? Sure, you can do the other ones if you want. Oh no, go on. I'll let you go on. Okay. Oh, so the Haunting of Bly Manor, which mm -hmm. is currently on Netflix. Well, it's perfectly splendid, isn't it? Oh, isn't it? <laughs> oh, did you oh. watch it as well, Adam? I've no. I I saw no. someone talking about it. Realised it was a version of Turn of the Screw, and I was like, I didn't really like the Haunting of Hell House. I'm, I'm definitely uh, not. It's the, it's the turn. It's the Turn of the Screw. If you took it yeah. for an hour and a half and made it into nine <laughs> fucking hours, is what exactly. It was. I liked it. I thought it was well done, interesting. Lee didn't like that each episode is slightly different because they use different, I guess, directors. Mm. But I quite like the way you know each episode is slightly different but obviously it's got the story as it's going through um i didn't realize the girl's voice is the voice of peppa pig so <laughs> you two as fathers of small children yeah yeah burned into your mind yeah so she does oh. sound very precocious and annoying yeah In interestingly oh. enough that's something that i did watch that i think counts in a sort of weirdly existential horror vein in the sense of what the fuck are we showing kids? Mm. I was what this morning. I could not bear CBBS. I couldn't. You couldn't have paid me. Mm. So I thought Cartoon Network's on. I'm watching Cartoon Network with Ted. And yes, yep. you will like those cartoons better than the ones that you like on CBBS. Uh. And um, Teen Titans was on there. And I don't know if you know Teen Titans, but it's basically like a sort of funny 
um, version of the Teen Titans were like the uh, DC superheroes, and they were kind of like originally in the comics they were like the Youth Squad Justice League. Right. Okay. So Robin, Cyborg, and some some others, but. So this version of it is basically like, you know, something like SpongeBob or the regular show or something like that. It's just a comedy, mm. but it happens to be those characters. Mm. And but this morning's one, they were all sitting there, and th- this will give you an idea of the, the humour of it in a way. Is they were all sitting there, and then Robin said, "Right, we're all going to. I've decided we're all buying jackets that have got Teen Titans written on the back." And they were like, "What?" Like those ones where it's like a leather bomber jacket with puffy sleeves. Exactly. That's the ones we're getting. And we're having our names on them. And so they're all like putting their money in. And then one of them just goes, but come on, guys, you know, should we be, you know, what about saving for later? And none of them can understand the concept. They're all like, but no, what you don't understand, later's later, but this is now. It's now. So if we do it now, that's fine. Because later's later. And so, yeah. So they get the jackets. To celebrate getting the jackets, they get pizza. So they've spent more money. <laughs> then, then to celebrate, they they start going to go and get tattoos. What? When, uh, no, bear with me. This is all then, money well spent. Yeah. Then their future selves turn mm. up as a bunch of decrepit, <laughs> pension, like penniless old people <laughs> to explain to them, no, because you're spending all this money and just living on pizza and not doing anything, we are, we're all fucked in the future. That's what we're like, you know. I'm assuming they didn't use that word. No, they didn't use that word, but they might as well have done. Because get it this. It was well right? presented. Get this. So, so they, that persuades the Teen Titans to start saving money and eating healthily and taking regular exercise and everything. And, but their future selves have stayed. And they just keep getting better and like less decrepit and fitter and more capable and everything. And they're like, but meanwhile, the Teen Titans are all sitting there going, oh, this is like, are you enjoying that apple? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, check, just checking my savings account. And they're just really pissed off. And then like, in the end, they're like, you know, we said about later. Well, what about now? Yeah, because I know I like the idea of now, now. And then they work out that basically if they live hedonistically enough now they won't have to worry about becoming the old people because they won't oh, make no, it. that is just Lee's idea <laughs> no. Lee's like, we won't recycle because yeah. we don't care about the future <laughs> but no but get this so in so this is the, the kids show this is on Cartoon yes. Network this was like at 6 o'clock this morning so they all start just like living it up and eating fried chicken and everything and their future selves was just yeah. and it's like fucking boss. I'm like, and this is for kids, you know. <laughs> Cyborg, old you has died on the toilet. Do you want to go and sort that out? Because like someone it, needs to tidy that. Oh, but it's like to, to me, that's that's that feels more like Rick and Morty. Yeah, oh. yeah you yeah. know, it's, like, it's quite quite a dark turn that it's taken. But, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll also send you guys a clip because I was watching um, Amazing World of Gumball. And again, a kids' show, and they definitely had a reference to Requiem for a Dream in it. Oh! <laughs> Where basically two of them ate a very sugary cereal, and then they do that, 
quick cuts of like oh, eyes, eyes. veins expanding and then Ooh. the eyes like that. Yeah. yeah. And it's nice. like all oh, right, so you're quoting Requiem for a Dream now. That's where, <laughs> That's where children's TV has gone, Adam. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, to be honest, I'm so pleased. <laughs> nice. Anyway, back Sorry. to Brian Manor because um, so the guy who did a dark song got to do two of the episodes. Oh, cool. Did Lou like those? It was my, one of them, unfortunately, was my least favourite episode. Yeah. Of the, oh, to be Look, fair, he's directing it. Like, he's given a script, you know. So. I think he could do what he liked, though, reading the interview with him. I think mm. he had reasonably free reign. But, um, but I, I mean, I quite, he did a lot of time hopping, so it was a bit confusing, but then once you got the hang of it, it was clever. Mm. You know, it was okay. interesting, which is what Trolley TV kind of needs to be a little bit. But, um, oh. but yeah, it was good. Yeah, I mean, They're I'm... dressing the narrative up a bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The novel, clever, the, they're quite linear. Yeah, no, that's I mean. It was, it, you know, thinking about the old, um, what was it, the turning of the... Turn of the screw. Turn of the screw, turn you know. Screw. That was a bit boring, to be honest, when we watched that. You know, I like the idea of it, but Don't it was Don't tell wasn't... Chris that. We're covering that in the next 10 oh, episodes. Okay. <laughs> well, but whereas this, you know, as an updated version, I found it interesting. You know, younger generations will find it interesting. You know, so it keeps the horror... Or the story, which is the good part, doesn't it? But it livens it up. But um, kind of fascinating that apparently none of the set is real. When you Seriously. watch, like it, it looks like a gorgeous old house. Mm. Um, but apparently, no. That's it, all CG. Must be all CG. Oh, you wouldn't mm. think it at all. No. It was only because I was reading the interview with mm. um, you know, this guy who'd done some of the episodes. Um, and we wondered. There's a lake in it, which. So wait, so, Mm, Why did they do that? Was there a particular reason? Just I think it's cheaper, or or <laughs> something to do with lockdown? Uh, no, no, this was all done before lockdown. He right, said, okay. Um, and also, he said that yeah. So the lake in it, he said, you know, it was cheaper and easier. They built a whole lake than to just go and find one and shoot there. Mm. It's so, probably you've got more control over it. Mm. It's like a lot. Of, it's like with um, Sleepy Hollow. Obviously, when we covered that, mm. is not only did they. That, that was like the biggest set in in yeah. the world at the time. They built the the village that's in it. They oh, built, wow. yeah, and house and houses in it that needed to have an interior did. Yeah, and the forest was filmed in the studio. So that was cheaper mm. than finding yeah. a village that would fit the. Yeah. yeah, but it also gives you a lot more control as well because obviously, if you've got like a lake, you'd have to have proper divers in there and a safety team. Whereas it's a lot more controlled. Yeah. If, something that you've manufactured so you know exactly where everything is and you know we, we can see you can see the mist coming off it all the time and we were talking about it and i was like i bet it's warm i bet they've made it so it's hot and then i was reading this interview afterwards and exactly that yeah. they've made it warm so when they're doing the scenes in it the actors it's really cold outside but actually to get in the lake is really quite pleasant because otherwise you, as you say you need divers you need safety equipment you presumably only need them in short time because then it'd be dangerous they'd have to get out and yeah you'd have they'd have to be wearing like life jackets not yeah. um, like uh probably wetsuits and things like that yeah yeah underneath so the costume well. mm. yeah yeah so anyway there we go yeah so the only thing i didn't like about it was that yeah i mean the cast in it was fantastic it's the same as the cast from uh haunting of hill house um to some degree uh but the, the thing i didn't like about it and again it so it turns out they're all Although it's Turn of the Screw, it's also incorporates other stories by that 
same author. Um, oh, none Henry of James. Of, mm. Yes. Yeah. Um, but what it felt like to me was a lot of kind of, right, what's creepy? Uh, people no. with no faces. Right, let's put that. Well, let's have an, a time hop episode. That's the cool thing. Let's have one of them. They just and took the just best bits felt, and put it together. It just felt like, and again, because of the different directors, it felt tonally different each time. I think you can do that the series. A film would jump too much, but I think when you take each episode almost individually. I don't know. Yeah, it just it wasn't great. But it no. had some really good things about it. Um, and the last episode was an absolute nightmare. Mm. So the eighth episode you was skip excellent. The, last episode. the very last episode, you need to watch the first 10 minutes, wraps up the story, and then the 50 minutes after it yeah. is what happened to the characters after all the interesting shit had stopped happening. <laughs> so it was just 45 minutes of people's boring lives after they'd been involved with a haunted house. It was absolute dog shit. I was I'll, be honest, I'll be honest, that, that's, hit, that's definitely head to the, you can fuck that sky high pile. Life's <laughs> <laughs> too short. Sorry. Yeah, you're not missing anything. Um, on the other hand, though, so the other things that I watched, um, uh, I'll, I'll, firstly, I watched Slaughterhouse Rules again. Um, I thought it can't have been as bad as I thought it was the first time. I'm going to go back and rewatch it. Um, it was that bad, I, I, and I don't know how. It was such a shame. It, it it should have been great, and the trailer was good, um, but yeah, it was it was just awful. I don't know, I don't know how that happened, um, but it was all right because I made it all right again by watching. So on demand this week, uh, Wolf of Snow Hollow has just come out. Is that the follow up to Wolf of Wall Street? It doesn't know. <laughs> Uh, I've not had this much fun watching a film in a really long time. Um, so much so, it's only an hour and 25 minutes long. I watched the first hour of it without Jennifer, decided she needed to see it, called her in and started the whole thing again from scratch. It's, it's absolutely, it's a really good film. Mm, good script. I think that is mm. what makes it, you know, it doesn't need a big budget. No. But it didn't seem low budget either. It's beautifully yeah, shot. It's, all, it's mm. all shot out in the mountains and it looks incredible. Um, the funny bits are fully like proper laugh out loud, hilarious. Um, the gore is good. Um, yeah, mm. and it's got great twists and turns. And it's just everything about it was brilliant. And it just, like I say, it came out last week and I checked it on IMDb and it rocketed up to like 6.5 or something, which I know isn't super high, but. Um, the amount of people yeah. that watched it, I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I thought, I, you know what, for what it costs to video it on demand, I thought I'll give that a go. Um, yeah, and just had so much fun. I'm definitely going to buy it on Blu ray, I think, because it is a film I will go back and re watch over and over again because it's just hilarious. As I said, I watched it almost to the end and then just rewound it and started the entire thing again because I enjoyed you it. You didn't so rewind much. it, honey, because that's video. Because it's not and, fucking and 80s anymore. The, uh, but, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so watch uh, Wolf of Snow Hollow. It's absolutely amazing. Oh. Um, um, speaking, speaking of... Um, sorry, uh, just before we crack into the main feature. Uh, speaking of Nick Frost and Simon Pegg, because that's Slaughterhouse rules, hmm. isn't it? Yes, yeah. Um, the new show that uh, they're in has just uh, has started. I think, it's, I think it's on Prime, actually. Okay. But, um, sorry? 
already. I thought it came out on Halloween. No, I think I think it came out yesterday, possibly. Oh, excellent! When we're recording this, um, I've not had a chance, but I just want—I assume you've not either. Then I only just found out it was a series. I'd watched the trailer and was convinced it was a movie. It was only when I checked it on IMDb to see when it came out. Mm. Yeah, I actually found out that it isn't. It's a—it's a series. So, so that's good because that means we'll get more of it effectively. Um, but yeah, I didn't realise. Yeah. No, I think it's. Um, I'm definitely. I mean, I'm definitely going to give it a whirl. Oh, um, yeah. From from what I gather from the trailer, I don't think. I don't know if Simon Pegg's going to be. I don't think they're they're in it together a lot. No. So, but I think. I mean, Nick Frost is fucking great anyway. So, is this Truth Seekers? That's yeah. the one. Mm. It says here it's coming 30th of October. I'm a fucking idiot then. So. <laughs> I say, I, I, that's the reason I realised it was a series is because I checked it just a couple of days ago and saw that it was a series. Yeah, I thought it said that. But again, no. I know that sometimes they move these dates and things. So no, they, it, I'm I'm probably very wrong. So. <laughs> Good thing a I ghost don't watch hunting it, YouTube so. channel. Hey, eh? mm-hmm. it says here they embark upon creating a ghost hunting YouTube channel. It's worth watching the trailer. It looks like mm, it's okay. Gonna be- good it does, it does as, yeah as adam said it looks like it's more nick frost than simon Pegg, perhaps yeah um, yeah but these days that's no bad thing uh, well yeah harsh <laughs> right so on to this evening's main event uh so we have finally on episode 99 somehow um finally covered 1968's night of the living dead mm-hmm. so chris this is your first viewing of this yep um and did you like it a lot more after you got to the end and realized just how bleak and miserable and horrible <laughs> uh, absolutely you got me bang to rights yep without a doubt it got better and better and better All but so uh, yeah absolutely amazing like stood up just so well mm. and but when i started watching it i had no idea that it was black and white i'm sure i've seen clips I mean, it was in it was in the Eli Roth's history of horror, so they must have shown some, but just did not sort of pick up. In my head, it was like a nineteen eighties film. There is a nineteen eighties remake. Okay, perhaps I got or no, mixed sorry, nineteen nineties remake. I think. Mm, it okay. Um, All right, well, could, from that. that could explain it, but yeah. So I just had no um, sense that it was going to be as old as it was, and mm-hmm. so as soon as it started, I was like, "Oh my!" You know. Am I going to like this? It's, it might be a bit hard going. Um, yeah. You know, I'm sure there'll be bits that I like, but just, yeah, as each scene unfolded, it's like, no, they're getting this right. This is right. It's just so well done. I thought what I really liked was that just how much um, it was about the people and yeah. the complications of that situation and the decisions that you've got to make and the speed you've got to decide things. And the way they showed the trauma of yeah, the girl, like, particularly, it say, does it? Because it is just about yeah, you, really. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like so good, and and even the effects, which that uh, I liked, they didn't try to do too much, but the mm. effects of the zombies were, you know, perfectly fine. And when they were eating parts of the bodies, that was good. You know, just yeah. <laughs> you know that that was real. That was real raw meat. They were. That was, was it. Butchers mm. slops. Essentially, no, yeah. it's no messing awful. around. No, 
That's why it looks so good because everyone was getting yeah. free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, is like I say, I've been I watched um, Birth of the Living mm. Dead, the documentary, which is essentially an hour and a half interview with George Romero, mm. and George Romero is brilliant anyway. But when they talk about that, that's one of the things they talk about on there, obviously. And he said, um, "What was it? It's like, and they're tough. They're just going for it, eating." Raw meat and everything. George Romero impression shit. So, <laughs> um, they're all eating raw meat and everything. It's like couldn't get me to do it, <laughs> but somehow I persuaded them. <laughs> was he paying them to take part, or uh... a lot of them? Were, a lot of them were. A lot of the zombies were clients of theirs. Basically, George Romero um, had set up a. Uh, like film company and they were making industrial films and adverts and things like that um, and interestingly enough the Coopers mm. um, they also had set up they they were like um, one of the, the, the guy uh, who plays Harry Cooper Carl Hardman mm. he was he was like a, a big radio star in Pittsburgh like he was quite a big local celebrity and, and him and and I'm going to say about it, Marilyn, Marilyn Eastman who plays uh, Helen Cooper um, who is constantly referred to as, they constantly referred to as business partners and companions read into that as much as you mm. will <laughs> Um, but they they also had a production company and they were doing again same sort of thing radio commercials and stuff like that. So a lot of the people who turned up as zombies were just like people they knew and sales reps and <laughs> stuff like that and guys from advertising agencies. <laughs> and they were all like, "Do you want to come down the weekend and be a zombie?" And I'm like, yeah, because yeah. they just somehow really got everyone, you know everyone got really infused by it and stuff like that and so there's like so a lot of them they I think it's George Romero, Carl Hardman Marilyn Eastman uh, one of the producers one of the writers and everything but a few and everyone's kind of uh, most of them appear in the film in one way or another like the the writer is also one of the actors and so on mm. and so forth and the producer and the production I think the production designer was one of the posse, you know, oh, like the, the sheriff's posse. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so he's very, uh, so, but again, that, that was all, um, the guy who interviews the sheriff was the, the Pittsburgh's local horror host. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So the one who's doing the interview with him, and that was all, uh, most of it was improvised as well. Mm. So George Romero said, oh yeah, the, the line that everyone remembers, they're dead, they're, all messed up. That's just that. That's I think that's the guy who ran the roller rink. <laughs> <laughs> but the, it's so it's uh, yeah, it's just madness that they make this for nothing, hmm. just using everyone they know. And it's yeah, it really is. There's a lot of um, I think it's weirdly modern because of. <laughs> Because that's the thing is, I think this comes. This is really the thing that sets. This is like the marker to modern horror, in a weird way. Because I think this is the one where it's like, 
you it comes out of melodrama and just goes into drama. Mm. So rather than the sort of bigger sort of stuff that you would get in, say, Hammer or things like that, where it's a lot more theatrical, this is very much shot almost, it's almost like a documentary. It's like someone was a yeah. fly on the wall for a group of people, for this group of people. Yeah. As they were trying to uh, muddle through. Mm. And it's the thing, and I've said it, I've said it hundreds of times on the podcast, but I don't care. It's Charlie Brooker's statement, which is uh, the zombies aren't the monsters; it's twatty yeah. humanity. Yeah. Oh, yes. so and good. it is, and it really is a situational film. Mm. In so much as it's just how everything goes fucking badly wrong. Mm. And it's like even when you've got like, obviously you've got like um, Cooper, and you've got. Um, ben and it's the weirdest thing because Ben is morally right but as it turns out wrong about the situation the, what you should do yeah yeah whereas yeah. Cooper's got the right idea but unfortunately he's a prick he's terrible so... at communicating I mean and like you obviously hate him all the way through until when he's dying and he goes down to his daughter and it's like he was just terrified he could not I mean and you know you don't know how he's normally but he absolutely was just like Going it, crazy because it's how it's just a group of people reacting under pressure, yeah. mm. and some of them are muddling through. In fact, mm. well, everyone's muddling through, but some of them are just more capable than others. Yeah, you know, and I do like the fact that there isn't, you know, even though Ben is sort of the hero, there's no no one's a Superman in it. No, mm. there's not one guy. You know, like there's no very real swing through the window and fucking yeah. do everything, and it's like, yeah, I can hotwire cars. No, they're um, all fallible, aren't they? They all make mistakes. Yeah. Everyone's yeah, sort of oh, not the great car things. idea as well. I'd kind of forgotten about that. I, I knew it went wrong. I couldn't remember quite how it went yeah. wrong. Yeah, yeah, it's just people in a panic doing mm -hmm. stupid shit because they're in a panic, and it feels yeah. so realistic in that way. Yeah. Because you've got a plan. It, it, it yeah. Wrong. Pretty decent oh, plan. Yeah. Oh, oh, so yeah, very easily. Yeah. Do don't they? Unless they really yeah, well, things, they make like sense. As, and it did. It really still builds the tension so well. Mm. Uh, and uh, yeah, you know, they're going out and oh, they sort of look like doing all right. They, you know, it's going a bit well. And then Judy runs out. It's like, oh no, that's going to go wrong. That's bad. Yeah. But oh, then that's that's okay. They manage to get through. Mm. They get over to the the fuel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's so good about that. It, yeah. When she comes charging out, I'd have hit her with the butt of that gun. <laughs> <laughs> and that and that would have just been a garden party, regardless of whether it was like, like, there were no zombies or anything. That was just that's what, I do. what I do, mate. Woman yeah. comes running out unexpectedly. You hit her with coming out. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's even, even from the start, you get it where it's like you. It's like that thing of yes, yes. Oh fuck. Whereas, yeah. like you know. Barbara gets away from the zombie, gets into the car, manages to sort of pull up, and then just twats it into yeah. a tree. I, I yeah. said that. I was like, that's not a good, you know. It's not a good thing about women drivers to, no. to get rid of any stereotypes. She's in a car on a road with nothing else on it, and she still manages to come off the road and plough into a tree. But obviously it was a plot point, so it had to She be was done. a bit panicked. And it's, well, She had just been attacked. You, you, you realise that she's going, she's going into shock, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then spends most of the film mm. catatonic, almost. Mm. Yeah. And it's actually, I found out this is this. I'm going to say something that's going to horrify 
I think Lee, certainly. Um, but the actress uh, who plays Barbara is now playing Barbara older in something called Night of the Living Dead Genesis, where they've sort of, which sounds like they've, what was, how was it? I saw it described. Um, yeah, basically it's Barbara now, or like as she is now, recounting the tale, but the tale is then refilmed bits of Night of the Living Dead. But, and this is the bit that made my skin crawl when they said, uh, ramping up the campy humour of the original. Oh! And it's no, like... Oh. campy humour in that. It was fucking horrific. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think it's just this weird thing where everyone reads the words low budget, even though it doesn't come up in the... F I don't think it looks... It doesn't look like a fucking blockbuster, but there's not nothing... You know, there's no wobbly sets or... No. no. Nothing it looks... It doesn't Shit. need expense, does it? That's the point. It but, works. But yeah, I think yeah, I think the style of it and the look of it all yeah, it all just works together. So like even when the, the guys at the end were shooting the zombies down, like something you know they didn't didn't have loads of effects going on, but something just looked so brutal. Like it looked so real. Stark. And, yeah. Yeah. It did, actually, saying about the comedy though, I mean um, Jennifer and I a few years back, as we did the bonus episode and went to the Night of the Living Dead. Uh, presentation at the Pleasant Theatre. Oh, yeah. Theatre, yeah. um, darling. <laughs> but yeah, but that was, so that was this, but in comedy. So it totally can be changed to that very easily, and it works mm. absolutely brilliantly. Mm. Um, but yeah, there is no way you would watch this and go, oh, that old classic comedy movie. Yeah, like, no. It, it yeah. just isn't. It, I, I'd remembered the twist at the end. What I hadn't remembered was the still photographs of them going in with meat hooks and yeah. carrying him out yeah. to a bonfire. Yeah. Mm. yeah. A step further than I... See, that reminds mm. me of the sort of Holocaust pictures that you see. Mm. Yeah. You often see it like that, don't you, on those sort of history shows, when obviously mm. it can only be stills, mm. and therefore it is so stark because, you know, you're just looking back on it. But, yeah, that worked really well. Probably they did it because it was cheap. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. Again, it's the budgetary restraints. They probably they wouldn't have had the wherewithal to have decent effects to make it look like they were picking him up with meat hooks. Mm. Yeah. But what they did worked so well. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I think everything in this does. I mean, it's... Yeah. I mean, I think everything in this does, it does still stand up. Um, mm. it's, I mean, it's... Considering it's a zombie film, it could feel slow paced. I, I generally find zombie films are slow paced. As we've said before, there's a lot more emphasis on the on the relationships than there are on the zombies kind of being like the. They're almost just the background. Yeah, right? yeah. It's just the setup, and then mm. what happened yeah. was the interesting part. And I can yeah. find that a little bit slow. Go like right. So we've got five people. We're just going to shut them in a room. They don't know each other, and none of them like each other. Mm. I find that really. Painful, but this it could be keep it. It's quite quick paced, I suppose yeah. that helps. Um, and but then... I, I think the, hmm. the different characters do work well. Yeah. In it. So they're all they all add something a bit different. So they've all got their own issues, yeah. and they've all got different personalities. And I think that helps to keep it moving more than it might otherwise do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's the thing. It, it's funny because it was what Jennifer. It, Jennifer said when um, with Cooper. So when Ben mm. comes in and starts 
knocking Cooper about because yeah. he's in the door. And Jennifer's like, well, let's think back. How much of a prick was he really? Because that's going to be Chris's thing. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> you're obviously meant to dislike him. He's meant to be a knob. But does he but, deserve it? Yeah, Jennifer, <laughs> but Chris is definitely going to be the one to go, well, but how much was he in the wrong, really, if anyone? Or was he just um, a victim of the time and the, the what was happening that he got stressed out over it? And, and you kind of, you do mm. see that. You can see it almost as much from his as you can from Ben's because you can see how in that situation, you're all in a house, you've got to pick... Right, are you going to stay upstairs or are you yeah, going to go downstairs? I mean, There's what a arguments dilemma. for both. Hang on. Yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah. Chris, mm. would you go? Would you sit on the fence? <laughs> I, I think it's just because I think it's that thing of it gets to the tension high where you've been at each other anyway and then it's you almost got me fucking killed. Yeah, mm. but come on then, people. Where would you go? So, Adam, well, it, well I, oh, you yeah, I'm down. In, I'm down in the cellar. Are you? You're hiding. I'm down in the cellar. Dreams. Yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> down in the cellar. I've got the gun jammed yeah. under <laughs> the throat. Yeah. As soon as them fuckers burst in, I am the. I'm putting my brain all over the walls. Yeah, Chris. I'd do a bit of both. I'd, oh, because you're on the fence. Right, yeah. There wasn't a fence in the film, Chris. Well, <laughs> I, I would say, look, we stay up here, but we have a plan to retreat back as soon as we all agree. You're a bit like the other guy who did try, didn't he, and be that sort of go-between between, between well, the other two. Well, I played enough computer games. Yeah. You, you've got to try and use everything at your yeah. disposal, but yeah. have, a, have a backup plan for when you you've really You've got no save points here, Chris. Oh, no. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need save points. I'll play yeah. more works. I don't mess around. <laughs> um, I think I think the one thing as well is that obviously it's like 1968, and you've got a black lead. Yeah, impressive. And they basically wrote the script, and they were like, "Well, Dwayne was the best actor we knew." Mm. I was going to bring this up. This is what I love: is the fact that they didn't put him in to be like, "Oh, if we get a black lead in, that'll make a big social thing." Yeah, they were literally just yeah. like, "Well, he did the best job, so therefore and he did the role." But also, they, but also, it was they then made the decision: we're not changing the script in any way. Yeah, yeah, and and again, I think it's. I mean, I know George Romero said later on, or like in later life, he was like, maybe we should have altered the script in that sense but I not genuinely don't him. think it needs it in <laughs> the, I think the I think the importance of in certainly in like 1968 the height of fucking of like um, you, you know you've got like the civil rights movement in America and everything and it's you know I think it's weirdly important that someone does just do that of it's like right the main character is black it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's we are not changing this. You know, I think that I genuinely think that was an important step that they did that. Yeah. And and I think like the character is written because, like I say, I mean, a lot of the dialogue was kind of semi-improvised from the scripts and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But I think the character is written was much more like he was like a sort of, um, he was like a truck truck driving tough guy sort of figure. And like they obviously, like they said, Dwayne Jones was the best actor they knew, and he changed it because of his personality 
Mm. It wasn't. It wasn't changed in the sense of. It, it wasn't changed in a racial sense, but it was just in, in terms of. He was a much more sort of thoughtful. Well, he was well spoken, intellectual and... guy. Well, yeah. he was. He was an English professor. Oh right. And I mean, he didn't do many films. He did a lot of stage work. A lot of the people in this sort of, if they had an acting career, it was much more on the stage than it was um, in the film, uh, in uh, cinema. And I mean, he did, uh, we watched a film recently called Ganger and Hess with uh, him in it. And that is equally, that. I mean, he's brilliant in that. But I mean, he's, he only did like a few film roles and stuff like that. Um, but I think, yeah, they, they were just like, right, well, no, that's the decision we're making. Mm. That it's not going to be, you know, there's not going to be uh, any changes made or anything like that. I mean, obviously, like you say, the, the the end it gets hol it gets obviously gets like the Holocaust sort of feeling to it. Mm. Obviously, a lot of people put a lynching element to it, mm -hmm. but I think that again, because there is because there's a lot of people who are like, oh, you know, the posse, as they say. Because let's face it, if you saw a bunch of like guys in flannel. A lot of good old boys in flannel with rifles, just you might, yeah, merrily having a pop. You you would worry anyway, but yeah. particularly you, you, you would. Do, right? You, know, you, you just know. feel they are police, and someone moves, and they're just like, yeah, we're killing all the things that are moving. We're not even and, looking at exactly. Uh, yeah. But it, that I think is a much more. I think that it makes that end resonate more of just a general thing of, yeah, life's a bit shit like that, isn't it? Where it will just be sort of oh um, yeah you can you can do everything in your power to survive and then just boom the man gets you anyway <laughs> yeah you just get you just get shot at the end of it because it's a bunch of people just going like a bunch of people have been deputed with rifles then. just going around shooting mm. anything but it's the way they don't even know that's what I was yeah. saying mm. I was like they don't even know. They don't even go over to him and go, oh, my God, he was fine. Like, There's no mm. checking or anything. Isn't that what real life is like a bit, isn't it, really? People just well, do things and don't always I, know what they've done. Well, I think it's the. I think there's also the interesting thing is that um, this is also the film that develops what the zombie is now. Yes. The fact that so what, was this the first zombie film? No, no, not by a long right. shot. Okay. But the zombie, the stuff beforehand, I mean, this basically what it is, this, the, this is the first time that they add cannibalism to the myth mm -hmm. um, and the remove the head, destroy the brain, which okay. are the literal sort of staples of, mm. the, of the zombie genre from this point onwards. I think the worst... Worst thing I was going to say was the choice of making it a radiation-based explanation. Yeah, it's a bit thrown in, you think. Well, like, it doesn't really hold up, you know. There's no real mechanism as to why radiation would just affect dead people but not live people that I know of. It's a weird thing because there's a lot... You, I mean, we know we're fans, we like horror, we like lots of genre stuff and things like that. And you know how, I mean, let's face it, when people were demanding that a studio remake a film because Luke Skywalker milked a large titted thing. <laughs> and I don't mean Kylo Ren with his shirt off. 
<laughs> and you know, it's a weird one where devotees of Night of the Living Dead are quite happy that they they cut that out. No one's like, how dare they not stick to the irradiation from a returning satellite? Because everyone's well, like, no, that's a bit shit. Um, but, but well, so, so they've remade it. Oh, in in that in the nineties remake, they cut that out. No, no, no. In, in, what I mean is, in t- well, I, I, no, I think it's still in. I don't know. I can't mm. remember to be honest. I only saw it once, and I was quite happy that I, to not bother again. Okay. But in the subsequent, because obviously that you get a, you get the subsequent George Romero films and a lot of other zombie films mm. um, that are kind of. It's almost like when I see it a bit like when you had like Lovecraft would encourage other writers to use his his creations. Mm. So like there were people writing about Cthulhu and the Elder Gods and everything in like when Lovecraft was still alive. It wasn't like, you know, you only get people writing Sherlock Holmes after Arthur Conan Doyle dies. Mm. Whereas with this, it's like Lovecraft quite encouraged people to do it. And I think it's a similar sort of thing where it's kind of in the same universe. And, and the words living dead turn up a lot in other films because obviously you've got mm. like Return of the Living Dead, uh, which is which, which again is, is in the same. You've got uh, Zombie Flesh Eaters and even Shaun of the Dead. Because I think in Shaun of the Dead, there is a bit where, you know, at the end when it's sort of, it's lifted up and they're sort of coming out of, they're coming out of lockdown. They're zombie lockdown at the end of Shaun of the Dead. And there's a bit where they, they the, a news reporter's saying, um, uh, scientists' initial theories about the returning of uh, the, the uh, cause being the return of a satellite have been yeah. proven to be bot. Then they come bot <laughs> off before it's. Um, so, and in later ones, like in, what is it, in um, Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue, it's a. It's a machine, an agricultural machine for uh, getting rid of pests that sets them off. Mm. And then in other ones, it's uh, I think like zombie flesh eaters goes back and does it as sort of uh, almost like takes it back into voodoo. Yeah. And but again, they like later on in the films they like George Romero just never mentions that ever again. <laughs> because I mean, it's like, I, no, I think that's probably shit. I suppose at the time, you know, radiation was a newer thing. You got the nuclear. Well, it's that classic thing of like in the 50s where you have all the giant ant pictures, like giant ant movies and like them. Mm. And sort of, it's, yeah, again, it's that thing of we don't know what this does. It could do anything, yeah. Mm. Much in the same way as it, it creates hundreds of superheroes rather than just making yeah. the hair fall out and they think. Yeah. <laughs> And then die, looking like a pepperoni. Um, one of the other ones, one of the other questions that comes up a lot is people do wonder why the body in the house doesn't come back to life. Um, but the one like, with the face missing at the top of the stairs. Yeah. And oh. I, like, I like to think that it has come back to life, but it's just so desiccated that all you can do is stare. <laughs> <laughs> but, then, but then I also like this for its ending because of its uh, yeah, if you died weak. of natural causes nothing to do with the zombie outbreak yeah but this is the thing is it's only that it's in it's 
anyone dead comes back. Yeah, and anyone recently deceased. Oh, isn't it only if they've been and in it's not, No, no, it's no that's the point. Not, it's, the, mm. it's the radiation from the things that should affect That's everyone. how it started off. But then anyone that was bitten also turns. Yeah, but I, but I assume that's like if you've got a necrotic wound. Mm. You know, a dead person spread. eating you cannot be very hygienic. No. <laughs> so it's like Komodo dragon sort of thing, you know, where it's yeah. like teeming with enough disease. Yeah. <laughs> you're saying about the um about the, the the sort of ardent fans being happy to let that element go of um yeah. uh it coming from radiation. The other thing in this that I don't remember noticing before particularly, um, is them not liking light. I remember them not liking fire, but the fact that they go and smash... Oh, they smash the lights. I thought they were just, you know, just smashing stuff. You're right. Those lights would have been hot, though, wouldn't they? Because they're not LEDs. Yeah, well, yeah, but I don't think it's heat particularly. I think it's just being burned. But, yeah, the fact that they don't like light, I don't remember. Maybe they're just meant to... Maybe they're assuming it's fire. Possibly. So they're quite clever in this as well, like their use mm. of tools. So it's interesting because they, I mean, I'll I'll let the cat out of the bag. Chris, I spoke to Lee. I pled my case. We are going to show you other George Romero dead films mm-hmm. because even though genuine, you even though you don't get, obviously it doesn't follow the characters because let's face mm. it, what fucking characters can you follow <laughs> from this? The chief, yeah, the sheriff, but um, yeah, they um, as a universe, it continues, builds, and really okay, makes sense, yeah. And it's interesting because you get to, I think, it's Land of the Dead, which is fourth and much, much later. I was gonna say, and about 40 years after, yeah. And in that, they are, they make a big deal about there's one zombie that starts using tools. Mm. And but in this, the first ever one you see uses tools. Yeah, because it uses the brick to smash the glass in. Yeah, and then even the daughter, like the Cooper's daughter, mm, yeah. uses the trowel. Yeah, and it's sort of like, and I've I don't know whether it's something to do with how fresh your brain is. Ah. In a weird way. Yeah. Tools, well, my brain's not fresh. <laughs> yeah. That, that was another thing. I don't think we mentioned that earlier, but the scene with the girl in it, again, that was like felt very oh. modern and, mm-hmm. yeah, very hard hitting. That... And get away with it back in the 60s. Mm. <laughs> and that was genuinely um, uh, Harry Cooper's daughter in real life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And Helen Cooper's goddaughter. Right. And, uh, yeah, but and there, uh, there's a I can't remember. I think it was like it might have been Clive Barker's A to Z of horror, but there was just a lovely little interview with her where she's just sitting there with a big grin on her face, going, <laughs> yeah, "I've got to go to work and kill my dad." So that sort of classic thing where everyone's like, "Oh, you had children around the set, and you know, <laughs> surely were they traumatized?" It's like, "No, I've got no, to they love his arm." You know, <laughs> it is funny because we had a bit of a discussion while we were watching it um, about why they necessarily kill. So, obviously, so she's turned into a zombie and wants to eat flesh. She's only eaten her dad's arm 
Her mum comes down and she still kills her. And it's like you've got loads to eat there. Like you don't need that. Why I are you think, I think it's like goldfish. Yeah, there's no food there. Let's go. I think they just eat and eat and eat. Or cats, to be fair. Cats. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I'm going for that. Yeah. That's my favourite thing on Instagram is just the thousands of pictures of cats next to a sign that say variations on the cat has been fed this morning. Don't listen to it. (laughs) (laughs) The cat is a zombie. Don't give it any (laughs) weight. Because prior to this, you have you've got like white zombie. I walked with a zombie. uh, Hammer did plague of the zombies. Love that film, which I think we will cover. We'll have to cover one day because I think that's a good. That's that's a good Hammer film that isn't an obvious Hammer film. Yeah, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not a Dracula or a Frankenstein. It hasn't got Christopher Lee or Peter Cushing or anyone sort of. And and they still do well with it. They they do uh, it. They do it well. But that's but that's all of those were much more to do with the the original. Haitian folklore hmm. of the zombie, yeah. which is a resurrect, a corpse resurrected by a necromancer or a witch, mm. who is then enslaved to that person, and obviously, and obviously, with you know, with what was going on with the to- at the time and stuff like that, obviously it has a, a huge basis in like uh, sort of like the uh, slavery and things like that, and mm. actually, it was it was used. The voodoo myth was used as a suicide deterrent amongst uh, slaves oh. in, in Haiti, where it was like, "Oh, well, if they yeah, commit suicide, if, if, they'd come yeah, back." If you if you come mm. back, if you commit suicide, you then by default come back, and you mm. were a slave forever. Wow, huh. you know, and it's sort of, and it was like, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, that's a psychologically fucked up. Yeah. But then but then we are talking about a psychologically fucked up situation. Yep. As it I'm, is. We are talking but, about slavery, so uh, yeah, I don't think there's anything that's Yeah, too... I, it's quite a surprise. It's like, oh, you know those slave traders? Some of them are all <laughs> bastards. <laughs> <laughs> they were the nicest people. So so that kind of thing that goes away uh, that side of it goes away as well with um Night of the Living Dead. Because they basically become plague, you know. It's like it, I mean, ironically, they should have used the title "Plague of the Zombies," but um, Hammer had already done it. Um, but definitely, it's like you get this um, weird sort of revolutionary element to it, but where it's like a society completely changes, hmm. and you you have to sort of see where you go with it, but. Or you just have to survive that. But also, it definitely has, you know, it, it's got a, it has a very diseased based thing where it's like the bite spreads and so on and so forth. And it's, yeah, again, it becomes, it becomes essentially zombie movies are kind of the best disaster movies because it's kind of, it's along the same lines of, say, is it the day after tomorrow where it's just suddenly everywhere gets really cold? Cold, cold. yeah. Frozen. Yeah. It's nightmare. I mean, I'm totally, you know. <laughs> my my favourite bit of that film, though, is where um, the uh, uh, 
the Mexican president says, yes, we might let the US come across the border now that they're... <laughs> and it's like, yeah, yeah, you would, you'd, you'd fucking like that. I hope like someone's that. shown that to Trump. <laughs> I'd imagine he's. I'd imagine he's watched it and it's just glazed over like every other fucking thing. But um, but yeah, and so it's weird because George Romero kind of recreates zombies and what they are now, hmm. and he kind of recreates horror because it becomes much more realistic. And it's I I I don't know if I don't know if it's the I think it's also the weird thing of. Like you say, it's an older film. You turn it on, it's black and white. It starts with that lot, because all the music in it is library music, because obviously they didn't have much money. Um, but, used, though. Oh, it's wonderfully used, but it's, it's very... There's some lovely dissonant stuff, but that opening where it's just... Bam, 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 yeah. bam, that's, you know, that's obvious horror movie music. And so I think you're kind of, it lulls you into that sense of it's like, oh, well, this is an older film. And it's yeah. like, oh, no, this is like, it's like when you watch Psycho. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That similar sort of thing of it's like, oh, no, this is actually like, this is, Rude. this is modern. Yeah. You know, yeah, no, def- definitely had a feel to that. Yeah. I don't have to make allowances it. for this mm, film. I just yeah. go with it. Mm-hmm. And what, so was this one of the earliest? best done survival films because that that was as big a part of it mm. uh, you know as we said like the human interaction was the most significant part the zombies next but then just the looking for what you do to survive like the practical you know like, I'm, I'm listening to the radio watching the tv and just thinking about it, even like early on he said food we've got to make sure we've got food and it's like you know it is all the practical elements it's a computer um, game, isn't it? it oh, absolutely. I was, I was like, hold on, this is I need played enough games. Hello. I need to find yeah, help. No, I need completely. to find food and water. Yeah. I need to find somewhere I can get in. And if people yeah. are up here, me... Are computer sick. games just meant to hook human beings? Because yeah. that's what human beings are designed to biologically to, yeah. to go for. Well, except for those of us who have just fallen into a slump during lockdown and gone back to playing Guitar Hero. I don't know what the excuse <laughs> for that is. But, uh... I don't need an excuse for that. <laughs> South Park, that's our excuse. Yeah, South Park. We've just been watching South Park and we just got back into uh, watching those. Back, We're about 20 seasons behind and they've just discovered Guitar Hero. <laughs> and it reminded us that we used to do it about 12 years ago. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Happy good. days. That does not stand the test of time. But, you know, <laughs> not like, know. you know, George A. Ramirez's film. <laughs> um, I, I, I think... And I think that's the thing. For a long time, I didn't watch this film because I had such a problem with zombie movies. They're yeah. my least favourite subgenre. Yeah. Um, and I think the problem with that is because, uh, although it works very well in this, it's very easy for it to just be a drama about how people who don't know each other are forced together as shitheads towards each other, um, which <laughs> isn't really horror. Um no. And equally, it's very easy and cheap to do. You know, you put on a bit of makeup, a bit of fake blood, hey, you make your clothes dirty. We have made our own zombie film, haven't we, Adam? We have. And we've discussed that previously. <laughs> um, That's how cheap and easy it is. No, no, you'll never, ever see it. Um, but, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. It, it unfortunately attracts a lot of... Weird Chances ends. is an insulting word. 
But that but, is what it is. Yeah, it's a lot oh, of people have just hit. It's like the same way there was that explosion with found footage where people are, oh, you can just do it in a camcorder. It's mm. like, yeah, cleverly, please. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's that's the thing. With zombie yeah, movies. Every now and again, one will come out. I mean, look at the battery. I've, you know, I've, um, I, I raved about that. I was going to say recently, but I think it was in about episode number five. Um, mm. But yeah, the battery was made. Literally, the guys went and got a credit card and made the film on a credit card. It's absolutely outstanding. Um, it's one of the best zombie films we've ever Why seen. Why have I not seen it then? It, it cost them about seven thousand dollars. Why have I not watched it? Uh, because it's it's not super acting, low budget. Oh no, it's it's amazing. Well, I like it. Oh, we'll show you the battery. Well, you know, <laughs> I'm writing it down. I will show I you. I do like low battery. Maybe budget. we should watch it. Yeah, I like low budget yeah, when they're good. Should. I'm not, you know. I mean, it's absolutely outstanding, and it, it is just the story of how two people are very different. So, mm. two guys don't know each other. I just to give you the brief story. There's a middle of a baseball game. The zombie apocalypse or the zombie outbreak happens. So it's the batter from one team and the catcher from the other team of next to each other. Don't really know each other. And they're caught together and get separated. And it's them two together. Mm. Um, and one of them is very, if I keep my head down and lay low, it'll all blow over. And the other one is like, the only way out of this is to kill every zombie you see. And it's just about these two people being stuck together for so an hour or so. sounds very much like this. In, it's the relationship mm. that's interesting. But it's absolutely not, yeah. brilliant. Yeah. There you go. Absolutely brilliant. I think that's the thing. is, is it's, Because it goes back to that fact that it is a human drama, it needs to be a good human drama. Mm. Yes. If it goes back to it and it's the EastEnders... <laughs> a bit sort of like... Occasional banging on the window. Like, oh, yeah. But I've just thought how they could really improve his senders, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Zombie outbreak. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They need it. Actually, yeah, because that would be the excuse. You know when they always bring people back from the dead, like Dirty yeah. Dead and stuff like that? Yeah, like, they all come back. Yeah. yeah, they all come back. I would watch that. If they couldn't film during lockdown, they'll just be editing yeah. together old episodes. <laughs> That's true. If it's Dirty Den as well, you just don't want him... Like knocking one out through the window or something like that. <laughs> but the other thing that I found, like, I mean, this is a film that I've, I've, I've always liked Jules Romero. I've always liked the Dead sequence, um, and admittedly, you know, they are diminishing returns because I mean, my my personal favourite is Day of the Dead, but that's because, yeah, if you thought that was depressing, Chris, wait till we get to that one because mm. that is one that is one I'm where it plays. Oh, what's there's, the shopping mall of the dead? Oh, I like the shopping mall one because we're in a shopping yeah, mall. That's the, that's, yeah, that's two. And then there's yeah. Day of the Dead. Day of the Dead, which is about as cheerful as a mortuary attendant. <laughs> and um, actually, they're quite chipper, probably. I was going to say, I know one who's very chipper, actually. She's lovely. She's she? lovely, yeah. yeah. And obviously, there's the one in Reanimator who they reckon is always going off for a wank. Um, <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. Um, Let's not spread these stereotypes of mortuary assistants. <laughs> Let's not do. I don't know. We're, we're suggesting they come from all walks of life there, I think. Mm. Um, one day, Adam, but... we'll meet one, you know. Yes. That's yeah. true. You've got to place your trust in them at some point. Exactly. But, the, yeah, when I was like looking into it, I just thought the this has a lot of parallels to a lot of stuff we've covered. Mm. But it's sort of like it gets there first. For example, so much like Halloween, 
this was shot this was shot 30 days which is obviously 10 days longer than halloween was on a budget of uh $114,000 ridiculous what which, i mean how which, is, which, of... which isn't even a million now no mm-hmm. Bloody hell. Right? for a film that people are still watching 50 odd years later yeah and it grossed 30 million dollars mm-hmm. wow which is Around about two hundred and twenty-four million. So it's a good return, really. I've I've invested in that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Here's the trouble, though. They originally they were going to call it something like Night of Anubis, and then because of the Egyptian god of the uh, underworld and the god of the dead, and um, George Romero just kept saying the title to people, and everyone's like, "What's that mean?" Uh, yeah. So he sort of like thought maybe maybe the reference not many people are going to get it. So they settled on the title and they were going to call it um, uh, Night of the Flesh Eaters. And then they took it to the distribution company, and the distribution company looked into it and found out there was a film in 1962 called Night of the Flesh Eaters. Wow. So they had to change they had to change the name last minute. So they changed it to Night of the Living Dead. The, when they changed the title card, they forgot to put the copyright emblem on there. <laughs> and the film immediately, because of the way the law worked then, the film immediately went into the public domain. So... Can you imagine? The, the money... I mean, they, they did get a return on it because they had the deal with the distribution company, but the distribution company are the ones who were doing the best out of it. And then as soon as you get to, like, the video age, they must have lost millions yeah. in the sales of this. Because, uh, and the trouble, I mean, this was something that I, I got to enjoy it again for the first time in ages. My DVD of this starts off deliberately before the menu screen comes up. It shows you the start of the film, but really fucking blurry. And with the music all distorted and the tracking going out. And I remember when I bought it and I put it in and I was like, oh, I've got a really shit copy of this, haven't I? And then the thing changes and then the menu screen comes up and then you watch it and it's, it looks fucking amazing. Hmm. But again, yeah, anyone can get a print of this and release it. Yeah. yeah. So on all those, like, if you go in a pound shop yes. around Halloween, you can always pick up Night of the Living Dead. Always. But our so, Blu-ray version is lovely. Our, like our Blu-ray yeah. Criterion version yeah. looked absolutely. It's well worth the money, I reckon. This yeah, thing. no, the, the the version I've got on DVD it does look amazing. I I'm tempted to upgrade, mm-hmm. but I still think that you know I think the DVD you know it's it, good enough. It's yeah. good. It's definitely mm-hmm. good, and I don't know how how much better they can get it. Um. And uh, yeah, actually, and that was something else that sort of came up was the night that they finished the cut, they decided to take it to New York to try and just get it shown somewhere because they were like, you know, we've got this finished and we're really proud of it. Um, And as they were driving to New York, they heard on this to give it some context, they heard on the radio about Martin Luther King being murdered. So that's so that is the that is the era <laughs> yeah. that, that this film comes out in. 
So did and they realise, oops, we've just shot a black man, maybe we should not be releasing this? <laughs> I, th I think they were almost like, they were almost like the opposite, where they were yeah. like, our film's quite pissed off with the world. Mm. And, you know, <laughs> I think we might be... We might be in sort of. Uh, I think we might be in the same uh, mind frame that a lot of people will be in at the moment, mm. and and so so obviously, like I say, that parallels Halloween. Unfortunately, they didn't make the same good deals that Deborah Hill and John Carpenter did. Um, the farmhouse um, was uh, the owner of it was going to demolish it. So he just let them use it. And apparently when he said to George Romero that they were going to demolish it, uh, George Romero just went, well, you've come to the right people then. And um, <laughs> so they could just do what they wanted with it. And actually what they had to do is they had to go in, and again, a bit like Halloween, they had to go in and clean it up to make it look like <laughs> someone lived there. Yeah. Um, because it was just like an old, like on this farmer's property. And um, which kind of mirrors what happened with Evil Dead where they found that uh, they had the cabin and it was like kind of well, you can do as you will with it and everything and also a bit and also a bit like Evil Dead they shot everything in the farmhouse but the basement was the sound studios uh, oh, really? basement because the building itself didn't have a basement Mm. So, like the farmhouse itself didn't have a basement, which again was like Evil Dead, where they did have the cabin, but they didn't have the. It just didn't have a, a basement at all. It's like, it looks like that. Like the the stairway down to the basement did just look like they'd cut a hole in the wall. It didn't look like a door. Yeah. It was just that a lovely wall. Literally, what they've done. <laughs> that is literally what they did, and um and that kind and even a bit like um say. Uh, Hell House LLC or uh, the um, the Innkeepers and even Texas Chainsaw Massacre, um, like George Romero and the co-writer and the production designer lived in the farmhouse while they were oh. filming. <laughs> so they, they never left the set. Wow. And And again... A lot of it was like him saying about, you know, like Jules Romero saying about how much goodwill that they had. Like the police, like the local police, like l sent a couple of cars down and their dogs so they could get like those shots of like when they're going across the fields with the dogs and everything. And that was just like, and even the sound design, the, like the sound design and everything else like that, they couldn't afford to get the sound design done. Hmm. So John. Uh, John Russo, who's the co-writer, um, challenged the uh, challenged the sound production guy to a game of chess, <laughs> and they got and won, and that's how they got the sound design. He won wow. the sound design in a game of chess, and it was like you know just so many. Again, it's that thing that seems to crop up where everyone really pulled together, had a great time, and you know everyone was just enjoying themselves to, mm. to an extent within the bounds of the fact that you're on a low budget shoot and there's no running water on the set and stuff like that <laughs> but, <coughs> but basically yeah it's again that thing of everyone has a fun time on set so you make a really good bleak horror film yeah because it always seems to be it's the same thing that always all the best comedies Everyone wanted to top themselves while they were making them. <laughs> and similarly, all the best horror films, everyone had a fucking ball. 
Yeah, that, that is what the uh, the guy Liam Gavin said about a dark song. He said, actually, yeah, they got on really well on set. Everyone sort of bonded. Yeah. It's it is funny. so bleak. I was just about to say, if that is the measure of a good horror film, then the set of a dark yeah. song must have been phenomenal. Yeah, apparently it was. Yeah. Apparently, despite living very similar, actually, on a, a set that was horrible and they had to apparently install their own toilets because none of it worked. But, yeah, so really yeah. similar setting. And, I mean, of, of the cast, like I say, I mean, the majority were just... Um, 28 members of the cast, this is the only film on IMDb. Yeah. Like, this is their only acting role. And it was just like, you know, people they knew and friends and family and so on. It doesn't feel like, like sometimes with super low-budget indie stuff, it feels like like if you stuck a camera on us and, you you know, you didn't quite know what's going But this film, everybody in it feels solid. There's nobody in it. Who's really like? No, I guess they were all overacting kind of actors or... mainly, and the main, you know, ones in charge or all the ones actually acting were, weren't they? Oh, I know you mean all the, you know, hoppers, presumably the zombies. Just got to act like a zombie. How hard can that be? Uh, <laughs> it's my zombie acting. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and like um, Judy, Ju- uh, played by Judith Ridley. Um, she was the receptionist at Carl Hardman and Mary Eastman's company. <laughs> oh, well, so she was an actress as well. Good. <laughs> she wasn't an actress at all, and she actually she ended up. Uh, she was um, most of her career. She was a food dresser for commercials. Oh. Yeah, and it's sort of, uh, and she ended up. She married um, the guy who played Johnny, who was one of the producers as oh. well. Oh, yeah. thank you. And it's sort of, yeah, I mean, it seems to be, you know, a pretty great little... And I I still maintain that's because of George Romero, because he always seems like just a fucking dude. Yeah, Yeah, he he does. He is one of those people, as I say, despite the fact... So I didn't dislike him for ages, but I disliked zombie films to such a degree where anybody who was... Associative, yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, it's such a hacky, rubbishy. But you can't not love him. You just yeah. can't. He's so cool. And I, th- I think that's also the fit. That I think that's also the thing. Like you say, you hadn't watched this, and I haven't watched a lot of zombie stuff because I was, I was in the same thing with yourself, where it's like, it's quite, you know, it had got so saturated, mm. and it was like, you, you, whatever, you, you know, you could read. Room Morgue or Dark Side magazine, and it'd be sort of like, right, here's the here's the horror releases for this month, and it's like two that look interesting and sixteen zombie films that I am never going to fucking bother with. It's and funny because it's funny because they they work so well for for comedy horror. I mean, look at Shaun of the Dead, look at Fido, um, mm. uh, yeah, um, Dead Set, yeah. And, and I, even, think I mean, even even I mean, as they go on, I mean, certainly Dawn of the Dead is genuinely is funny. Hmm. That does have funny stuff in there. Yeah. But again, and it is at the expense of the zombies. The zombies become slapstick props and stuff like yeah. that. It's just sort of like yeah. And I think that's the Dawn is definitely the one where it acknowledges the fact that the zombies are kind of surplus here. Hmm. You know, they can be outsmarted. They can be outwitted. It's only numbers that fucks you up. In the end, but there's nothing intrinsically non-copable with 
Well, the fact that they're human and they all bugger it up between them, really, to be fair, don't yeah. they? <laughs> I think this is my other thing with, with zombie films as well. So this one shows it equally. Like when they, they're all locked in the house and they're all shut in there and it's like, right, there's two people outside and they walk very slowly. Walk out of the door, walk in the opposite direction. They're not going to catch you. Just keep walking. <laughs> you might and if you others. see one, you see them from so far off, no, just get out of their way. Walk like, into I've, a whole nest. I've just never found them scary. No, like spiders. You, say, you walk out there, suddenly there's a whole nest. Who knows? And I'm just, like you say, the, the only thing that ever messes people up is, right, let's board ourselves in a house. Well, no, because then they just come and surround the house. If you just pick them off as they come, it's one person at a time. It's really easy. I think if we were all in a zombie house, we'd be arguing right now, wouldn't we? We'd be arguing. Because <laughs> Chris would be telling us I mean, that Chris we would be, on would, the fence. We be, would fine. be wrong be going, to well, kill Adam, the zombies. Adam says this. I think but, the zombies... But Lee, I like your point. So, it's really good. No, but... Chris, Chris, Chris would just say, now, has anyone thought about thinking of this from their point of view? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The They're not having a good day. <laughs> Maybe, maybe, like, maybe that's where they went wrong. If they tried to befriend the zombies, it might all have ended in happiness. That's uh, uh, Just watched exactly that. He tried to be nice to the animal. He was like, maybe they're not monsters. Maybe if I treat it like a dog. And then it bit his bottom half off. Well, should have treated it like a dog. Should have treated it like a human zombie being. Yeah, It was more like a dog thing. Oh, okay. Why didn't you try, try and treat it like a human doing rather than a human being? Ooh. I'm going to bed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're going to bed. I'm going in the other room to shoot myself in a sort of <laughs> like a gentleman has dishonoured himself since. <laughs> it wasn't the joke. It was just yeah. Yeah, no, it was. It was. It was. It was fucking awful. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, hmm. what we will be covering at later points, we don't know as yet, but we will be covering Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead. Land of the Dead, mostly because Dennis Hopper plays Donald Trump in it. Oh. Um, we will we will not be bothering with Diary of the Dead or Survival of the Dead because, quite frankly, yeah, they they lose it a bit there. Especially Diary is kind of like the Blair Witch Dead project. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm mm. going to struggle with all of those. Uh. Um, yeah, which is why we've probably not covered them until now. Actually, Land of the Dead, we You can spread them out and only do them every few months. This is what we said. <laughs> Adam yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. that we're going to do one every ten episodes. Uh, okay. And I think that's yeah, about as that's frequently as I can tolerate. Um, but, yeah, because <laughs> you and I saw Land of the Dead at the cinema. Did we? We did. So that was how, different, how distant it was did between the originals. I not even remember that, no. Yeah, we did. Oh, okay. um, yeah. But, yeah. So... Next episode. Yeah, what's 100? Episode 100. Boy, Chris, have we got a surprise for you, boy? What could you possibly have that would be good enough for 100 after everything we've seen? Adam, I think as you and Claire came up with this idea, you should deliver this information. Chris, we're finally going to watch Dick Hole Lamp Farm. <laughs> no. <laughs> Was that Claire's suggestion? <laughs> no, no. Claire, Claire came up. Claire came up with the suggestion, and I think it's the right decision. Yes, couldn't agree more. We are going to watch the Woman in Black, but they have released the uh, was it nineteen eighties TV movie? 
it was 1989. 1989, mm. The Woman in Black, which has been held in rights problems to be released on. It's never been released on, never got released on video, DVD. Okay. It's finally got a release on Blu-ray, and that is what we will be exposing you to, sir, because mm. it is, yeah, we just thought it's a nice circle that we've yeah, completed. Yeah, very good idea. But obviously, we started with uh, the Daniel Radcliffe woman in black, mm. and now we're going for the Nigel Neal woman in black. So, so, yeah. so when was this released? This was, it was a TV movie. And it was 1989. I believe it was ITV. And it only came out on Blu-ray this year. Right, okay. So previously to this, you had to buy... It was available on places like eBay, uh, where somebody had it on VHS and transferred it mm. from VHS to a DVD, which is what mm. I purchased. But even copies of that, from time to time, uh, yeah, were coming up on eBay for £100 plus, because yeah. it's that... It's that rare to get hold of. Um, yeah, so it was one of those kind of almost impossible. I think I paid something ridiculous for it. Uh, yeah, because I kept looking out for it. And every time it was one of those one of those things that I needed to see. So I'd check it on a regular basis. And I think I paid about 15 quid for a, a VHS to DVD transfer of it because it was all I could get hold of at the time. And then. Uh, is it Arrow who released it this year? It's Network. 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 And uh, Network are, Network are again, really good. They do a lot of archive telly. Mm. Um, and um, I think they do the, I think they're the ones who did the Tales of the Unexpected. Yes, yes, it was. They, yeah. they do a lot of stuff like um, Tales of Mystery and Imagination, is it? Or... Yeah. What one is it? I can't remember. This as well, Mystery and Imagination, yeah. Yeah, and they do lots of other, like stuff like um, like the Sweeney and things like that. They did, they just cover old telly, essentially. And mm. frankly, God bless them. <laughs> they kept me alive uh, from about uh, the year 2000 to about 2015, maybe, of just a steady diet of uh, old crap my dad had recommended. Yeah, yeah, they were. No, I've seen some amazing shit. So yes, it's not lost. It's you know been revived and people can buy it and enjoy it. Hmm? I guess something like this as well. Not to give too much away, Chris. But it's it's really really good. I mean, I. Yeah, that's not giving anything. That's not giving anything. But I, th- I think I prefer the '89 version to the to the remake. And I know that we started this whole project yeah. with the remake, so that's how that's how much I stand by it. But as mm. I say, the fact that at the time the version I had had come from a VHS and had been digitally transferred and looked like dog shit, I didn't think you were ready to stop that. Well, we we also wanted to start with a fairly modern one, which I think at the time it was only. Few years. It was only yeah. a couple of years, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. Because what was it, two thousand and twelve, I think. Mm. So yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't too. And also, I hadn't seen it, so I think that was uh, kind yeah. of as well. And uh, yeah, yeah, excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to that then. Thanks, right. Yeah. So, thanks ever so much for everyone for listening. Um, it's goodbye from me, <laughs> and it's goodbye from him. <laughs> 
yes, so thanks ever so much for listening, and we will see you all next week for our 100th episode. Yeah. Bring your own balls. <laughs> Bring loads of it, because I will be. I'm going to be wankered. One drink for every episode. Yes, <laughs> let's yes. try that. <laughs> Tequila swam as it is then. <laughs> See you next week, bitches. Bye. 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 <laughs> Calling our audience bitches. <laughs>